Discord. Bingo. All right. Doing the new meetings on Mondays, even though today's Tuesday. Next week. Next week. Yeah. We had to shuffle the schedule a little bit, bro. We did. We did. Jitsu shit got in the way. But now we go. What's that on Wednesdays now? Uh, Yeah, just uh, evenings. Evenings are tricky, but we're making this happen. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so the jujitsu kind of like bounces around, like what night you decide to go. Exactly. Yeah. Nice. That's nice. I mean, you you know me, I'm pretty flexible in the evenings. So, hell yeah, bro. How was your week? Uh, It's been good, man. Um, We we dropped a new value mentality clothing line, like officially. We did the the t shirts. Circus. Yeah. That's been selling like hotcakes, bro. It has. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for noticing. Uh, <laughs> at the fair, everything. It, was, it was all the rage. Um, and yeah, we're down to like we don't have many left, and we're hoping to get into the Encino Farmers Market for this Sunday. So, I guess that probably that be your first farmers market. What will that be your first farmers market? Yeah, the other one that we did was obviously Sherman Oaks Fair. Yeah, similar, but yeah, this would be our first farmers market, and. Um, I think it could be a good thing. It's kind of low stakes. Like it's only 45 bucks to do it at this one. Um, it could shock you with how many people come by. That's true. true. And we have a lot of stuff in general. We just don't have many of these shirts anymore, which were pretty much our number one sellers just because they're Mm. like cheapest things, uh, at the fair. So we'll have hoodies. We'll have hats. We'll have the pullover crew necks. Um, yeah, it was fun to just finally release the photos, dude. We we met with a few different products. Those photos looked great. Thank you. How'd you find a photographer? Yeah, thanks for asking. So for that. And I remember the struggle. You were like, dude, bro, like, I don't know how I was going to get someone. Someone the photographer thing is the funniest, like, just experiences that you could have. I mean, all of it is you learn so much, but uh for like lifestyle shots that we did with the little photo shoot where we 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 tried laura to, lopez yeah laura was in it um we tried to recreate sort of a couple of these like quentin tarantino shots that i saw in his book of once upon a time in hollywood one was kind of of like brad pitt sitting in a lawn chair and like very like americana shot and so we try to like recreate that in the daytime sitting on a front lawn in some chairs Sick. Uh, wearing circus looking shirts and stuff laura and our buddy denny he's a comedian like super talented so that was great marissa of course tanner's girlfriend and tanner and our buddy dean as well and it was just lovely and then at nighttime we did something i uh, another quintino shot of like like under the uh under a restaurant kind of like roof but outside just kind of like having a fun time in the valley at nighttime and so we did that and we shot it. we did it just on ourselves tanner and marissa shot it on disposable camera no shit yeah and i'm finding out more and more that i i'm gonna need to do all these jobs myself like we are yep because everyone is just so difficult to explain stuff to everyone takes a long time to get anything done uh i mean so after we shot that we shot that the day after the fair those photo shoots and like we rushed it because we said like, okay, we already are selling out of the clothes. We need to like release them and do this photo shoot. And the only thing we needed after that was just product shots, blank background with a clothing right in front of it. 
on digital, you know, the easiest thing you could possibly do. Anyone that has like any experience doing photos can do that. We had, we asked three photographers to do it for us. All of them gave us trouble. And the third one. Kind of trouble. I first one was kind of a friend and, you know, like all the best to her, but she ended up being very busy and didn't really respond to us for a week and a half. She kind of teased us along. Bro, a flakiness, and like I'm not talking about your friend, but yeah. just general yeah. flakiness is my biggest pet peeve, and it is why I end up doing the majority of stuff. Yeah. Like I edited, yeah. and also, I mean, I could do more as far as deferring to other people. I'm kind of more on the extreme end of like taking everything on myself, but yeah. there's a reason why I edited and put out all of the shorts this month because nice. I knew they would get done. You know what I mean? There's something about just doing it yourself relying on yourself that like you just can't get from other stuff yeah i mean you know you want to get to the point where someone will make your job easier like they you bring them the vision and they're like they actually have great ideas and stuff and that'll come but as far as i mean there are certain things maybe it's that way with photography but i found on my end like editors like you have to pay editors like there are certain things i think with photography if they're good they know they can get money from someone else and it's the unfortunate truth of the situation that like you'll get to a place where you can't afford that but at this stage it's just you got to do stuff yourself totally exactly and it i was making the joke that like these photographers have too much power like i want to take (laughs) back like you know just it's it's too annoying you have power because you're waiting on them or what they have power yeah they have power because they have that special skill set and it's specific and we need them and they get to do whatever we want. And it's kind of like vague what the industry kind of demands and what the standard is and stuff. So it's just so annoying. And, and this third photographer we ended up using, I found on TaskRabbit. And I was actually very like pleased that, you know, TaskRabbit did that. And it was cheap. Uh, guy turned out to be super nice, but he just took so long as well, like longer than he said he was going to do. And so we ended up getting a bit of a bout about it. But we finally got the photos and we're able to release it and uh, we've been selling well. So it's all good, man. Dude, this shit looks great. I'm Thank looking you. at this now. You wouldn't know that you shot this yourself on disposable cameras. Crazy. Really? Yeah, bro. You don't need, I mean, this collection looks just as good, if not better, as like your previous. Yeah. Photos. No, no, no. That's kind of, and the but there's no reason. Music, no? Yeah. Yeah, I think we kind of were like told by him too. It's like just get a disposable camera and get out there and like I don't know, just have the vision and then go for it. So and Marissa and Tanner kind of have a lot of experience like modeling, acting in front and behind the camera. So yeah, we're lucky that you know we get to work with them. Um, man, so we're so proud of it. And uh, you know, I sent out a bunch of new orders today to people. So that's that. Uh, I just wrote the value mentality commercial today, like official commercial. So I was like, what else can we do? Oh yeah. The commercial, um, put that down in screenplay format, sent that out. So we're going to do that, but I'm trying to figure out, I want to find a videographer that can shoot and film or just, you know, we'll probably shoot. Where do you need that shit? I don't know. Yeah. Is there another version of like, can someone else take something that will look as good? I mean, if you're going for a vintage kind of thing, I'm sure yeah. there are vintage cameras out there that you can just kind of fuck around. Something like, it's cool, dude, because the style of clothing that you have is very 
specific. Like it's kind of a vintage feel, which is why I think these photos work so well. Totally. And I don't think you need, you don't need someone who has like years of experience as a DP for no. like that. You just kind of need kind of lucky. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. You want it a little like grainier and whatever, you know? We do. I, and like, you might be able to do that on like a filter on like an app. There's an app that our buddy showed us that we could do it, but yeah. Uh, we want to just make sure we don't screw it up. But so, I mean, depending on what iPhone you have, a yeah, lot of the new one. ones, yeah, they've got as good, if not better, as like the current cameras and shit, you know. It's obviously at a ceiling, but like it comes to a point, especially if you're doing a vintage shoot with filters and shit, you really can't tell the difference. Yeah. I mean, maybe I direct this thing because I'm not going to act it. I think I'm having Tanner and his girlfriend act in it. So, I mean, it's as simple as I have the script, check off that we got each scene, shot list, like how many shots I need from each side or whatever. And that's it. Hell yeah, dude. This yeah. will be your first director thing. Yeah. You've would, wanted to do that for a while. That'll be I cool. Have, that's true. It'd be an opportunity. Um, make sure we get sound. Make sure we get the shots, the coverage. That's it, really. Um, what about yourself, man? I finished 31 Days of Halloween, which I'm stoked about. I'm oh. happy I don't have to edit every day now. It's really good feeling. Wow. Um, I'm starting out now. Uh fresh like first of the month i'm committing myself to write for two hours every day for a year oh my gosh so that's my next endeavor and reason behind that it's been a long time coming um i did the four hour a day thing which is fucking brutal uh you can only care i could only carry that on for maybe like a few weeks but it comes to a point of burnout. And I wanted something where like, you know, you're making consistent progress two hours a day of like completely focused work yeah. is that shit stacks up. And so the thing I need now is really good polished scripts. And so I just need, I just need to put time into that. So that's my next thing. Yeah. And where are you, I always ask you this update with your current features. Like what's, is there any specific update with that? Yeah, the one that I'm uh, so we have a couple things in motion. There's this one feature that, and and I'm glad you brought that up. We're not totally committed to features. We're not doing shorts anymore. And yeah. so um, the next feature we'll be shooting will likely be in March, and it's something that I co-wrote with my producer Ken like a year and a half ago, and we've been trying to get it on its feet. We finally are getting some backing financially where we can actually make it a reality. So oh. that's going to happen in like March. Um, but as far as the script I'm working on now, it's, uh, it has to do with a mass suicide that I'm super stoked to write, uh, just like culty, like super culty and, and, uh, really fucked up and creepy. True story. Uh, it's based off, it's definitely not a true story because it's more like supernatural, but it's based off of the Jonestown shit. Yeah. What that is the drink, the Kool-Aid thing. Yeah. And I've never seen something like that in a horror film before. And I think it'll be a really impactful first moment. Interesting. Yeah. I, I feel like there definitely has been stuff on that. I, I'm sure you could point to stuff, but not to say that you can't do it different and interesting and that you won't. Well, I think there's definitely been stuff on like Jonestown, like documentary type stuff, but I can't think of it. Maybe you can, but I can't. 
cool. and it'd be helpful because then I can look at it for reference. But yeah. I I've never seen like a fictionalized cult mass suicide thing in horror before. I've never it's, seen that done. I think it's like really trendy right now. Like it's like literally everything's about cults. It's all cults. All um, of Netflix is cults. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It, maybe it is more TV than anything. I feel like every true detective has been like back is like the cult stuff. It's uh it plays on my greatest fear, which uh I really feel like um being part of like a collective as opposed to being an individual. Like uh, the reason I don't do well in corporations is because like as an employee and shit is because being like a cog in a machine, as opposed to a fully like free person who's able to do what they want. It's um, it plays on that. So like being part of a cult where you're like a cog in that whole thing, I, that would be, that's probably my greatest fear. And people say like, if you're doing horror, you should think like, what's my greatest fear? How can I maximize that? Cause then other people will feel it. You know, it's right. super specific. Yeah, you just remind me of like a line from that TV show Chernobyl, where like everything's going wrong in Russia when like the uh, n- you know the nuclear uh, stuff goes off, and like this old like man who like probably from the days of like uh, you know Lenin and Stalin, he like he goes, "Don't worry, everyone. Just let them know that the state is the most important thing, and that all they need to do is keep working as long as they're." giving for the state and it's just like it totally exemplify that the like the concept of communism like or uh yeah socialism communism literally is a cult like it's that the person is a soldier a peon just for the yeah. overall state and yeah. that given enough to survive yeah the standard of the state will become good enough or it's fine but like it's it was religious too it's like in the sense that like you're everything is the state weird that's crazy bro so many people i think the way the human mind is is like it can bend to become that like if you're put in a pressurized situation a lot of people like look to a leader like they want someone to tell them what to do and the problem with cults is like if you feel like one person has all the answers they don't have all the answers they're just a human being it's just them manipulating you because you're weaker you know you don't have as strong of a will or like you're not as stable um so they prey on people who are more vulnerable yeah they they know how to play the role it would appear yeah play the role yeah Yeah. it's uh i'll get off my soapbox but like i feel i feel like a lot of you know schooling the way it's set up and then going straight to work like working for a corporation all that kind of shit it like drives out that individuality of people. And um, yeah. And that's all I'll say about that. I'm just, you know, I'm explaining, trying to explain like where I'm coming from as far as I feel like a lot of people aren't even aware of that. They're being controlled or like told what to do and stuff. And I think cults are like the extreme end of that. Yeah. It's funny. I've been thinking lately that I need to get more into the corporate world. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do it, bro. Don't do it. I'm tempted. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, successful companies good sometimes when they're set up to incentivize. So it's like, even though you're part of this big 
thing like a big team theoretically you know how do you incentivize a team you see the results you know you see that there is like financial incentive that you work well with other people that are like you know complement each other and stuff uh i mean i think a huge part of it does depend if you're in like a large scale org like that it depends the people who are around you most directly you know but i think the larger a company is the harder it is to feel like you're if you're like an employee or whatever yeah if you matter and you're like part of the mission also this could just be my mindset too i feel like i was designed to lead and to create stuff and like a lot of people are just content with like you know they're they're told what to do and they kind of they're comfortable and they do the whole thing i mean again it is an interesting subject sort of i think like for instance my roommate works at commercial real estate and it's a big company he works for, but like he works at a small branch and he really, at the end of the day, the only uh, relation he has to the whole company is that they provide him with the team, with the amenities and stuff, but the company's idea, that's what, that's the thing that separates it. It depends on the product that you're selling or the, the setup that you're a part of, because just because it's, it's like, just because so, something's big doesn't mean it's bad. It might be successful. It might be big because it's successful and that it grows, 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 grows. But within that, it's like you actually have a very, I don't know, a good relationship, a good dynamic with that whole organization. So, you know, if yeah. winning, yeah, why not? That's true, bro. I think it is harder, though, to manage that. I think if you were to have a huge organization and you're like you're at the top to maintain some kind of culture or mission, like really strong sense of mission and purpose, I think it just gets harder the more people you add to it. I wonder about that for sure. I and then I have other friends like I have a friend that works at like a uh, medical company, medical supplies company, and she does like data for it and analyze it like. Yeah, it's like a very important position, but like everyone does. You don't get these jobs unless you are successful at what you do. And like, she loves it. She loves like the work that she does. And it's not that she's like blindly following this company. It's more that she likes her position and it wasn't at this company to be another one, but they like the work that they're doing. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with not wanting to be like this mega maniacal, like, like, being the number one of like an organization. Like I really admire that. I think if you're doing this work that you're proud of, regardless, if you're like a cog in a machine, if you look at it big picture, if you're really happy with your responsibilities and all that kind of shit, those are the types of people that I would want to work in my production company, you know, one day at the end of the day. Because they're the ones who are like, they don't feel like they want to be doing something else or whatever. Like they're really stoked about the work that they're doing. I don't think there's enough probably documented like on TV and stuff about good company culture. Like that's really specific. And because uh, it, it's just, it, it doesn't make that much sense when you, when you do think about it. Like, oh, how does one person like run all this stuff? I heard the interview with Mark Zuckerberg. How does... How is he responsible for the billions of people that are on Facebook? You know, that's just a ridiculous amount of responsibility. But uh, like at some of these giant medical companies, some of these like financial companies, uh, engineering companies, it's like they're just doing kind of interesting work sometimes. You know, I I haven't done it, but uh, it can be, yeah, it can be good. I think... People look to leaders with um, like so many books have been written on like how you like interact with people and like 
you know, emotional intelligence and all this shit. And I think a lot of it is BS. I feel like at the end of the day, like if you're a leader of people, you can like talk to them a certain way or like, you know, figure out their interests or whatever. But like, and I think that's a part of it, but I think the most important piece of what people look to in a leader is that they are involved in something that they're like truly inspired by, truly passionate about, because that kind of energy is infectious. And, and, you know, like, I feel like a lot of people are in jobs where like, they're doing it just for the money. And it's so obvious, you know, they're not doing it because they really love the work they're doing, or they're really passionate about it and stuff. And so I feel like that's probably the thing that builds like the culture, a good culture is if like the guy at the top is doing stuff he's really actually passionate about. And there's a sense of purpose beyond money. And then the number two can look at that and then follow that lead and do their own thing. And they're loving it. And it just kind of trickles down from there. And then you've got this really passionate group of people who are working to something. Yeah, it's tricky. There's, there's gotta be the proper uh, incentive set up in which a lot of times there's not a lot of people like our age, now I'm here, you know, they, they want to like, just try to make enough money to buy real estate and then have passive income. Uh, they don't want to, you know, work really hard forever. So yeah, everyone's trying to get in real estate, it seems like. It's totally different, dude. Uh, our generation versus like everyone else. And even more so with Gen Z and stuff. Uh, the whole thing of like working for a company and working really hard for one company for like a lot of years. And just the fact that you're working hard, you'll then be promoted and you keep looking like people either want, as soon as they get out of college, they want a sense of like mission and purpose right away. Mm -hmm. Or like you're saying, they just don't want to work that hard and just want like passive income. Yeah. It's, it's complicated. It's for sure complicated. I mean, when I see people that enjoy their work and like really are on a mission and they like their company culture, like I dude, hats off. Um, and it's really interesting right now too, with like working remote and everything. It's uh, Isn't there yeah. nothing more inspiring than when you see someone who's like doing some kind of work that they fucking love. Awesome. Like, yeah, dude, it's like, and the only way you can do that, I think is if, you were made for that thing. Like for whatever reason, you end up in this position or this spot that like you were supposed to be doing this thing. You don't have to fake it. Like you just feel it as you're in it, you're doing this thing you're loving to do. And that's why you want to work hard at it because it doesn't feel like a job to you. I would think, but yeah, I talked to, you know, a few friends that I have in mind that like, they just took to the thing that they jumped into and they kind of got lucky a little bit and they, you know, they just felt it. They went off. Some of them happen to be really good at sales. Like, but the, but it's not working at a car dealership sales. It's like, you know, there's, they have clients that are really interesting and they get to, you know, have a product that they're proud of. And uh, it's like, it's just, you know, they just took to it. And uh, yeah, I think that is really admirable. And I'm someone who like, it's funny these days when I talk to people, my age and stuff, it's almost like, I wouldn't have talked about this stuff in high school. It seems like small talk, but I'm genuinely curious about their jobs and stuff. Like I'm fascinated because when they start talking about their jobs, that's what they're doing. Most They have so much information, so much insight to talk about. And a lot of it, especially if it's financial, that means that they're like analyzing markets and different innovative ideas, like what's going on in the world right now. So they know a lot about a lot of stuff. It's kind of fun to hear about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
and artists are supposed to be that way too. Artists are supposed to be analyzing the world and learning about this and, you know, putting a mirror true. Society and stuff. Yet so many artists are just, you know, they, they're all just like in their own little box. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really guilty of that too. I tend to tunnel vision and let me, you know, all these things are going around me in my day to day, but I'm so focused. Like let's, you know, make this thing happen. But I think opening yourself up a little bit is beneficial. Yeah. It's that balance, right? Yeah. yeah. There's also trends too. It's like, you know, the Hollywood industry wants one thing. So everyone starts writing the same stuff and everything. And it's like, oh, sometimes you got to think about what the hell is different, I guess. Um, Who's that guy on your wall? The black and white. Yeah. Uh, that is my great grandfather, crazy enough. Wow. Was he in the business? He was a furniture salesman in Long Island, New York, but uh, his name is Richard Van Patten. They called him the Duke, and he he was a very kind of um, fascinating character. Thanks for asking. He uh, they grew, you know, they lived like right by the horse race track in Belrose, Queens. They'd go to the horse race track, and he was a uh, what they would call a flop. He was like a British nobleman. He would talk with an affected butler accent. Hello, uh, well, um, you know, lovely to see you. And, um, oh, you're looking quite marvelous today. And he would wear like a pink scarf. He was like one of the only people, men, they said back then, to ever wear pink. And they said he was great dressed, though. And, and he, was, he was a huge personality. Uh, yeah, that's the Duke. Damn, dude. That's cool. <laughs> funny little story I, I think he moved out here with the family like eventually wow Tell the it. patriarch who started it all a little bit yeah he was he was kind of a part of it he was kind of more English and then his wife they were more Italian straight off the boat from Sicily <laughs> so yeah cool. combination cool. Uh, what else is going on my man uh dude just like doing the daily thing bro like jujitsu keeping that going uh how's that it's good it's good i found this gym too um i used to work out like at an la fitness but there's a spot lm fitness that's like super dope it's uh all open and and you know you can go outside and there are like no people there is it a chain no wow which is why it's better like I'm, I was just over chain gyms and I spend so much time there that I'm like, I got to go to a place that I like. I would think so. Yeah. I'm doing gold's gym still. Gold's bro. Well, I don't, I mean, some people are dedicated to gold's. What got yeah. you in gold's? Why do you stay? Uh, it's just the only thing that I can think of. That's not every gym here is so expensive except for like yeah. fitness or 24 hour fitness. Yeah. And, uh Gold's are pretty good. They have like a cool outdoor area that's open since the pandemic. It's just it's pretty busy. Hundred bucks a month. It's kind of expensive. Um and uh that's kind of it. I do that. I've been playing pickleball myself. Um networking, pickleball. Oh uh, <laughs> pickleball is the best networking, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, dude. I so I've been doing that, staying healthy. I have a job interview tomorrow. For, a, for what? To be an assistant for producer and stuff. Be cool. That'd be interesting. <laughs> like be. a personal assistant or what? Yeah, I think I'd be the second assistant. 
Okay. For this Why would you want to do something like that? Beats working in a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> Are you not doing the the taking care of kids anymore? Yeah, this would be that too. It would be assistant. And- oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. I wonder if that would turn into anything. If like first you're a you're helping with the kids and stuff. And then you're like, Oh, I'm an actor too. And then they, I wonder if that's ever worked out. Of course it's worked out, but that's how, <laughs> that's how everyone starts, buddy. <laughs> uh, literally like my, my, I don't know. I, yeah. Do you have an example? I've never heard of a case where that's worked out. The creator of the saw movies, Mark Berg is a family friend. He started out as a, uh, the dog walker for this guy is a big producer. That's how he got his shot was he would do everything for this producer. I forgot who it was, but Oh shit. He would do everything. He would walk his dog, take care of his kids. He'd have to like leave a party and go do. And then the guy, it brought him around. And next thing you know, he schmoozing and he got promoted, I think to be a producer. Yeah. So this guy produced the saw movies from the first. Yep. He, uh, I mean, he put his money and and like found everything. He created it. Mark Berg, Orrin Coolis, and the third guy. That's their thing. Dude, I think I heard this story of like Lee Winnell, James Wan come to the US from Australia. Okay. With oh yeah, they they were the ones that found them. Yeah. Apparently. They went to like a few offices or something and like they were kind of laughed out or whatever, or people like didn't talk to them. And then these guys were like, oh yeah, like, yeah, they like took a shot on these two guys from Australia where like they didn't have any track record. Dude, that's crazy. I mean, I literally remember them about to make Saw and like then saying like, yep, I think it's going to do good. <laughs> Unreal. Have they stuck to horror since? They uh, they did a couple horror things after, but I'm not really sure. They did like House of Wax, which didn't do very well. And then they did a comedy lottery ticket with Lil Bow Wow. That was a while back. Yeah, I don't know. A little this and that, but they made so much money from Saw. <laughs> Dude, it only takes one. And at the end of the day, no one really knows. Like they probably saw the um the little short that they did and they were like oh man this like you can tell from that short that it has a lot of potential um but they still took a chance on it and at the end of the day you never know but those stories are so dope how it's like their story as producers is considered like one of the most revolutionary things apparently in horror movie or like just in hollywood history of modern hollywood they took a huge financial chance and then put up the money. They, so they got everything, you know, that was part of their deal was they got everything. And, uh, and Dude. They, they made buckets of dough. Like, yeah, they, they had a piece of every single saw movie. Huge yeah. Back end, everything. Yeah. Like it's the biggest top. horror franchise of all time. Yeah. It just exploded. Yeah. So dude, I think that horror has the most potential like every movie like you never really know how they're going to turn out but as far as the upside of like how much horror movies cost and then what they can make it's it's like it's the best risky investment that you can make because i think at the end of the day it's like 
people always want to see horror movies. I'm just really glad that this is a genre that I'm like, that I wanted to do <laughs> because I think financially it makes yeah. some sense. It is super cool. Um, what do you think about the new, uh, so Smile's doing really well, right? And then there's another horror movie that apparently did well too, the like Petrified 2 or something with the clown. What two? Oh, Terrifier? Terrifier, yeah. Dude, I can't believe you know about Terrifier. Yeah, I saw a headline about it, but other people don't seem to know. What? Yeah. It's, uh, Terrifier was like the most successful indie indie film. Like, I think even Saw, uh, was picked up by what? Lionsgate. Lionsgate. Yeah, yeah, Lionsgate. You know, that was like a studio movie. Um, yeah. This, this one is, I'm pretty sure it was purely indie, but I think for being a, uh, like a cult favorite, the first Terrifier was like all like diehard horror fans love this clown. And it came out right before the It movies too. So like people were already kind of like they were waiting for a creepy clown and there wasn't really something for new a while. It movie. The new It movie, right? Yeah, or the new one. Okay. So I think uh, the Terrifier came out like probably 2016 and I think it was 2017. Um, But people were ready for like a creepy clown. And it was just the director, Damien Leone, I think that's his name. He used to be like a special effects person, like a makeup person. And so he did all of his own stuff. And it's just like super gruesome and disgusting. Like it's basically kind of the saw idea of like, just go for the guts and like, you know, blood and gore and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Horror porn. Yeah. But I have to see Terrifier 2. Yeah, man. You, I think it's crazy you know about it. What do you think of Smile? I haven't seen it yet, dude. Yeah. I, I have to. I have to. There's uh, another movie out I want to see too called Pearl, which is like the part two of, uh, it was a movie called X that came out in March. And that film was fucking dope. Um, and the director filmed X and Pearl both like back to back. And which is why, like, it's crazy that a director could release something in like March and then turn around and release it in November, the part two. What was the, what's the concept of the first one? I don't, I don't know what Pearl is about, but um, X is about, it's like based in 1970 when this group of people wants to make a porno. Like they need the actual legit fucking big camera and they have all the, like the cheesy dialogue and all this shit. And they go out, they rent this, uh, this space in this farm that's owned by this couple, like really old couple. And the old couple is creepy and weird and they're just kind of doing their thing. And they're like, you know, like is the sins going on here and all this shit. Like, more macro like, version, more macro. This is too many details. Was that be the more macro version? So it's macro? a horror. Okay, I'll go macro. I'll go macro. Yeah, it's it's a horror uh, filming a porno, creepy old people. That's all you need to know. There we go. There, there we go. go. That's all you want. <laughs> this is tra- this is logline training here. <laughs> yeah, I'll put you through it, buddy boy. Dude, anything with old people, I'm there for horror. <laughs> That's so my here. There's something about it. Uh, it's, they remind it's, me of death. Yeah. Oh, is that that's what they say it is but also it's just like i feel like it could be gross which is it is <laughs> bad but we'll be there one day too and we'll be crushing it you gotta crush an old person. bro our society tucks away old people because we don't want to look at that you know 
our society doesn't embrace the elderly like they used to or other cultures do. Where right. They like bring them into their home and they're part of, they're like the matriarch of the family. We push them away in these fucking retirement homes and we're like, oh, like we don't want to see that shit. You're saying old people are oppressed, in other words? Yeah, dude. Like your hot take? <laughs> I, I think old people off, oftentimes can't survive. Like they're, they're not, they don't hear well, they don't see well, they don't talk well. So everyone's like, get out of here. But they should. I was just saying to my mother that, like, you know, for my grandparents, they should be, they just deserve extra patience. But, you know, they, I think they've given so much that, yes, if they're fortunate to have good people around them, then they could still, you know, they, they deserve some good times. You know, they've earned it. They definitely deserve it. But it is interesting how they kind of revert back to their baby stage. Like when you're a baby and a child, like you can't really contribute to society. To society you're and breaking down, you're breaking down, and yeah, you can't contribute to society. That therefore, you don't have that many people around you generally, unless they're lucky, you know, unless you have a good family around you. But yeah. if you have no one, you know, it, it, it could be a pretty bitter ending. It could also be great. <laughs> just to not make it depressing. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Just to carry on. Oh, it'll be great for me. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, right. Depends what your mindset is because a lot of people like they'll retire, they're like 65 and then they're like, well, my life's over now. And then they just like, don't do anything. I bro at my gym, I see like fucking 60, 70 year olds cranking the iron and they oh, look great. And yeah. they, they probably have the mindset of like a 40 year old. And that's what I'm going to be too. You know, it all my, depends. My dad, my, his brothers in their mid sixties and they are more they great, bro. young people. Yeah. A hundred percent really good yeah and they you know age is but a number like you got to keep having dreams and having fun and you know challenging yourself i think gotta make the most it, love fun. laugh live that whole thing that whole thing yeah. uh what are you doing this week what's the plan for this week are you exclusively focused at this stage on valley mentality or do you have acting stuff going on as well I, you know i had an audition today but yeah uh you know the value mentality stuff is like immediate that i can like yield dividends on quickly acting is like yeah it's like the long game it's the long game like i want stuff for value mentality to help me out with uh acting i mean i think you're seeing success in value mentality and i feel like if things were to really shift which they can always Mm. in acting i think you would then start following that train and exactly exactly that is my plan um Uh, that being said, what are your, what's your week looking like? I'm going to write two hours every day. It's my first week and we're going to carry it on through the year. Game on baby. I love it. And you're, yeah. dude, you're doing this movie in March. You're, you're planning on it. Yeah. Nice. 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 Okay. That's- I'm ready to get back in the saddle, bro. It's been like, uh, at that point, it'll be almost two years since I shot that first feature that's still in post. So I'm looking forward to getting back in there and doing that thing. It's a marathon. I love it, man. I'm so tired. Same, bro. I can see it on your face. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair (laughs) enough. Get some sleep. Good talking. I appreciate uh, it. Keep the grind, bro. You too, brother. Talk to you later. All right, man. See you next week. Sounds good.